0: Welcome to the Questions of Faith podcast. I'm Brad Stevens here with Dr. Timothy Larito. And today we have a special episode about the importance of sharing the gospel. So the question that we have is, how do I effectively share the gospel? Sharing the gospel is one of the central duties that
1: every Christian is called to do. One of the last things that Jesus told his disciples was to go, therefore, and to make disciples of all the nations. However, the reality is that many Christians struggle to share the gospel in an effective way. In this special episode, we are talking with Reverend Todd Sloggett, the founder and president of Holiness Missions to America, about ways that uh, we can be more effective in sharing the gospel. Welcome to the Questions of Faith podcast, Brother Sloggett. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Well, we're glad you're here. We're Looking forward to this episode. Before we dive into this episode, uh, maybe just take a moment to introduce yourself to our audience uh, about you and your ministry and what God is doing through you.
2: Yes sir. Thank you brother. Uh I am uh Todd Sloggett. I am the president and founder of HMA Ministries. We started uh, in February of 2007 in downtown Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, by the grace of God, and the mercy of God, the blessings of God, and the miracles of God, we have grown exponentially, uh, very very uh, rapidly for many years uh to the point now that uh, myself and uh My first assistant, Brother Jonathan Rich, that is here with us this evening, and um, our our staff that uh, has gathered here in the Oklahoma area and 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 many other areas around the country. Now, Uh, we oversee 1,051 ministry locations. Wow, that's awesome! In over 30 states and five countries, we we actually have founded, and fund, and written the programming, and run. Homeless missions, drug rehabs, battered women, children shelters, teenage runaway rescue return centers, anti-abortion pregnancy services clinics, uh, a new uh, sex trafficking rescue group. Uh, we have some of our own companies that we do a lot of our own funding with. So uh, just a lot going on. I think 16 churches in the United States, 900 plus churches in Africa. Uh, uh, I, there's no way to touch it all in a, in a little yeah. spot right here, yeah. but, but we got some things going on. Yeah, so uh, you're
1: effectively sharing the gospel. (laughs) Yeah, and so uh, you know, in this question, you know, we wanted to bring somebody on that not just going to tell us you know things uh, in theory, but actually help us to have uh, a practical application that is actually working in this world. And so, yeah, that's awesome to see what God is doing through you and through your ministry, and uh, and believing God to continue uh, what He started there.
0: Now, before we get started with the first official question, I have a kind of personal bonus question I want to ask. Um, This kind of gets down to the nitty gritty of who Todd Sloggett is. Do you consider yourself a gym rat?
2: At first, at first, I couldn't even figure out what word you said because it kind of cut off, for And I'm thinking, what is he at? Is he throwing out a Hebrew word already?
0: <laughs> oh, man, I love your posts on Facebook, and you're there with your gloves and your crew, and, man, you guys are just tearing it up. You know,
2: I never would have considered myself a gym rat uh, until very, very recently. It is it – is, uh, and, and there's a quick story behind that. Um, you know, I, I w- I'm the president of the organization, I was the president of many of the companies. I was the overseer of a lot of the churches. And um, I began to develop a a feeling of uncomfortableness that I feel like the Spirit of God was laying upon me. And um, without getting into too much of it, what what I felt I should do was begin earlier in my life, I'm just 50 years old, and begin mentoring uh, young ministers to begin to take parts of the ministry group and the company groups away from me. And, um, because I, I, I just have a problem with one guy having so much power a- and I had too much a couple years ago. And I, so what I have to do now, what I, what I prefer to do, I like to be the boots on the ground. I like to be the guy sharing the gospel. I like to be the guy rescuing the homeless and the drug addict and the prostitute. But what I have to be now is I have to be an, uh, 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 an overseer and a mentor and a, and a manager, which I don't like and I don't appreciate. Um, but, but I know it's, I know it's God's will, so I'm going to do it. Um, so it gives me, I'm a workaholic and it gives me lots of extra time on my hands that I'm not used to having. And if I stay in the office, then I Mm overmanage these guys and I'm not Mm -hmm. really doing what I'm supposed to do. So I, I found a release and that is I go to the gym a couple of times a day (laughs) and I go down there and mind my own business and uh, let them do what they do and come back and check on them. And uh, so now I I would, if you ask the majority of the guys down there, I I think I'm officially a gym rat.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. Well, that's awesome. Well, I have a a bad habit of um, getting us off track. So getting us back on track (laughs) for the official first question. um, As someone who has traveled extensively throughout the United States and going to churches of various denominations and fellowships, what do you see as some of the inhibitors to the American Christian sharing the gospel?
2: Yeah. You know, I do my best to put that in at least three categories, and um, they're a little bit, a little bit sharp. Um, the the one of the first categories I would say is, um, especially Pentecostals, um, but Western civilized, cultured Christians as a whole. You know, uh, the modern Christian Church in Europe and America and Canada and. In Australia, people aren't taught. Mm. It, it is not a priority in the majority of the churches that I've ever be, been fellowshiped and, and reached and, and preached in. It is not a priority to teach people how to share the gospel. It is a priority to say that we emphasize the need to share the gospel, mm. but it is not a priority to teach how to do that. So one of the problems is you you can't do what you don't know how to do. Sure. Um, sure. The, the the next uh, little box I would use here is that because the teaching is so so little, the shallowness of the average Christian not understanding their own faith enough to share it is mm-hmm. a huge mm-hmm. problem. The average Christian knows they're supposed to, but they're so inhibited by the lack of knowledge of how to, they're so shy and backwards and awkward about doing it because they've not been taught to do it and they've never done it and especially they've never done it effectively so that just steers them off and and what we tend to do we tend to prioritize christian actions to kind of salve the fact that we feel mm. so weak in sharing the gospel so we don't share the gospel so you know maybe we go to church four yeah. times four times a week when everybody else only goes twice a week and and uh, I'm a, I'm a preacher, an evangelist, and a bass player, and and a podcaster, and a, and a, and, and, a, and 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 so I add all of these activities at the church to my personal conscience resume, and it makes me feel like it's okay that that I don't share the gospel.
1: There's a lot of uh, internal guilt that is associated with that. You're not equipped, and you don't feel like you've you've ever been trained. You don't know how. But yet you have this internal like I want to, and then there's this internal like struggle like I don't know how or I'm not equipped, um, but I do feel guilt because I know I need to.
2: Yes, abs- that's absolutely true. That's a terrible place to be, isn't it? <laughs> it's a horrible place to be. Uh, mm. And so you've got the 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 non the not spiritual teaching, not enough spiritual teaching, I guess, just to say, that leads to the shallowness of the average Christian not understanding their faith enough to share it. And then that takes you to really my third category, which is the unbiblical false indoctrinization of many quasi-cultic groups that leads to when they do share the gospel, it's more argumentative Mm. and and list-related than it is conversational and conversional. And and I, I can break that down for you a little bit. <clears throat> um, there, there are so many major groups now, especially in the United States, that our group believes this way and only this way, and everybody that believes this way is part of our group. They believe that way, and that's the only part of their group is the people that believe that way. And then a lot of our preaching and teaching isn't real preaching and teaching. It's just pointing to the other side. They're wrong. We're right. We're righter. They're wronger and and it mm-hmm. and it leads to to you know it actually leads to strength amongst your group for pointing out how right you are and pointing out how wrong everybody else is but it it absolutely does not lead to any strength whatsoever to sharing the gospel because mm-hmm. and I'll make a statement here and a whole bunch of people can call in and argue with me later if they want to the statement is most lost people in Western civilized countries right now, it's fading, but for the last couple of generations and still currently probably close to it, most lost people know the Bible as well as most church people, partly because the lost people were raised around churchy environments in a place like America, sure. and partly because the church people don't read the Bible, don't study the Bible, they just do whatever their preacher says. And the church environment is preachers need to know the Bible, Christians don't necessarily. Mm-hmm. So you can't have a bunch of Christians going around sharing the gospel when they only know a guy that knows the Bible <laughs> instead of yeah. they are a guy that knows the Bible.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Sure, <laughs> so, absolutely.
2: So when, when I'll give you a quick little story. I was at a major city in the United States uh, years ago, and um, I was told that there were some some preachers preaching on the streets down there, which I do a lot of uh, what would be considered street ministry. It doesn't look or sound or act a lot like what most people consider street ministry, but um, we do a lot of it, and we did way more back then. And I was told these young men were out there preaching, so I w- went out there to, to, to see, to be involved, to support, whatever. And um, what was happening is there was homeless people and drug addicts and street people and and people just walking home from work or whatever. And whatever they looked like, that's what the preacher told them they were, mm. and that was street preaching. Mm. You know, if somebody walked by in a tight little black leather miniskirt and, mm-hmm. a, and, a, and a pink tube top and... Whatever they would they would preach against prostitution and and whoredom and whatever, and then you know yeah. somebody else walked by looked like something else so they'd preach against that and and uh, they they ended up asking me if if I wanted to take a whack at them basically <laughs> and uh, it's like sure I'd love to <laughs> you know and so uh, uh, got up there where they were at on the street and uh, and uh, I mean just preach the gospel message you know the Mm -hmm. love of Christ and what he did for me and what grace and mercy can do and how ugly sin is and how beautiful Christ is and all of that. And people just came out of everywhere. And the difference is that I was preaching the gospel Mm -hmm. and they were preaching their indoctrinated lists. Mm -hmm. So if, if you're not teaching gospel sharing specifically, it leads to these very shallow average christians not understanding their faith and to be comfortable enough to share it and it turns us inward to a lot of unbiblical false indoctrination that leads to any attempt that anybody that gets on fire and and really wants to share the gospel it leads to them just going out and repeating lists and not truly sharing the gospel
1: Mm, yeah because Fundamentally, they don't really know the gospel, and so uh, they're, they're lacking in that ability uh, because they don't know it, and that's, that's so good, so good. Uh, uh, another question I want to ask you is, you know, obviously we want to use the Bible as our guide for faith and practice, and so what are some biblical principles uh, for
2: effectively sharing the gospel that will be helpful to our listeners? <clears throat> This is something uh and I'm really gonna liken the answer to this question to another topic that is very, very closely related to this topic. And I won't I'll try to not get off topic, but discipleship mm. is is a huge Christian buzzword right now. And everybody in this generation is studying it and preaching it and teaching it and trying to reach out for it and understand it and, and define it. <clears throat> and, you know, we attempt to put Faith sharing in a bullet point pamphlet or uh, a a quick list, Mm -hmm. and and I've seen it a hundred different ways, uh, so that so that we can confine gospel sharing to a four to five minute interaction, and and that's what I see happening, and it reminds me of the improper and unbiblical way that we've gone about discipleship for many, many, many decades, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and the answer is the same to each of them. The answer to discipleship correctly, and the answer to uh, biblical faith-sharing correctly is relationships, Mm -hmm. not bullet points, not four- to five-minute interactions, you know, discipleship is not a class, a place, or a time, or a book. But every discipleship I ever knew about until very, very recently was Wednesday night at 7.30. We're going through this booklet in this classroom. Mm. And, disciple, and we called it discipleship. That's the discipleship class. That's the discipleship outreach. That's the discipleship from our church. Discipleship is not a place, a time, a book, or a room. And the only reason I can say that is because Christ is the example, and Christ Mm -hmm. was the original discipler and the ultimate discipler. And Christ did not disciple at a place and at a time and with a book or in a room. Christ discipled all day, every day, through relationships. He said, "Guys, this is what I'm doing today. Come with me. Mm -hmm. Whatever whatever the world throws at us, I will teach you what God." How God would handle that situation. We're walking yeah. to lunch and a homeless person crosses our path. Let me show you how God deals with homelessness. Mm. We're going to a funeral and this guy stops us and tells us that his daughter's dying. Let me show you how God deals with one situation when it stops you on your way to another situation. And it's I say it all the time, and it may not be 100% this, but a large portion of discipleship is unscheduled time. And all of our discipleship is scheduled time. Yeah. So what we should be doing is taking people into our lives and pouring into their lives and spending time with them, quality time with them, that when life happens, we'll be there To show them what the Bible says about it and what Jesus did because of it and all of that. Now, relating that back to your faith sharing, faith sharing, you know, the Bible, specifically Christ, built relationships by befriending, loving, sharing, meeting needs, spending time with, hanging out with, developing uh, family interactions with. Gospel sharing is. Relationship building. Gospel sharing is relationship building. Now, I'm not bragging. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I don't want any specific credit for this. Please don't misunderstand me. I know what I am. I'm a punk kid from the streets of California saved by grace. That's all I will ever be, no matter what happens. I get that. But I've been blessed by God to have a lot of experiences. We calculated in the beginning as best we can as we grow these ministries, uh, specifically, to put out newsletters and, and, and to you know keep track of things, and there was a point that we, we knew that we had won maybe a, roughly around 12,000 converts, and that was years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can speak from real true boots on the ground experience that the majority, the majority of those 12 to 20,000 people that we've seen converted weren't converted the way that the church would traditionally call it a conversion. The the whole interaction was not that they were invited to church, they came to church, they heard a great sermon, there was an altar call given, they came to the altar and they prayed through with tears and everything and bam, that's a conversion. That's that's not the way I've seen it done most of the time. Sure. We find out they're hungry, we give them food, we find out they're a troublemaker and we try to work with them. We we Find out, you know, we give people jobs, we, we show love in the community, we we smile, we we hug, we hang out, we talk, we're nice, we're friendly, we're there for people. We we go over to the house when when there's a fire and, and, and bring blankets and food and we do all of these things and we build relationships. And, and as people begin to trust us and believe us and see the love of Christ coming from us, they start opening up to us. And pretty soon I'm counseling their, falling, their marriage that's falling apart, or they're sending True. their kids yeah. to, to me for drug counseling. Or And, and, and eventually, they pray.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Eventually, they surrender to God. Eventually, they give their heart to Christ. Those are relational conversions. Those are not what's being taught. That is what Christ did, and in, in, in a lot of ways, that's the biblical guidelines and answer, is we got to give—it doesn't work for us right now, uh, uh, Dr. Tim, because we're all—we get up, six o'clock in the morning, boy. we got to be somewhere at 6.30 and then there's a, yeah. there's a morning appointment at 8.30 and then we got to do this podcast at 11, but I got to study for it. So I got to have two hour block right here. I got to remember to have time for my wife, time for my kids, time for my food. And then I got to get over here to the gym and then I got to get back to here. Our lives are not set up for the biblical pattern, but I'll tell you right now, we better get them figured out because Christ did not make a pattern that was going to fade towards the end of time. It is still the right pattern. We have to have room for relationship.
1: I, I love that, and I I think it's so important. You know, it, it, you're listening to this podcast to think about. You know, if I'm going to be effective in sharing the gospel, I first have to have a relationship with somebody who doesn't know the gospel, right? I mean, uh, it, it it that has to be the the ground, uh, you know, gl- ground floor is. I got to know people that aren't saved. And, you know, it's one of those things that if you're not careful, the longer you're saved, all of your friends will be people who are saved unless you intentionally uh, have it in your mind and in your heart. Like, I got to I got to reach lost people. I got to have a relationship with lost people. I got to I get they got to be interacting in my life. and, And because the longer you're saved, it's just the natural progression is that all of your friends, all of your people in your community, all of your relationships are only church people, and that's going to lead to uh, uh, eventually uh, uh, where you're not able to effectively share the gospel. You know, I, I see it a lot. People come in and get saved, and they bring all their friends because all their friends aren't saved, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, and so I, I think that's so awesome that you, that's a, a critical point.
2: I will say this too, in in equating this to the discipleship, uh, issue, you know, discipleship is is normally considered a, a time and a place and and a and, a, mm-hmm. and a and that's not true. And really, if you're looking at gospel sharing and witnessing and soul winning, the only way that will work correctly is if you're because c- we we do we used to do a thing where like Friday night at eight o'clock we'd meet at the church and we'd go out on and, and we'd we'd share the gospel. We'd go out witnessing. Mm-hmm. We called it. We go out witnessing and. We did it again. We made it a time and a place and a date. And, mm-hmm. and you know, if, if in my life, if I'm at the gym, I've got to be witnessing. I've got to be a witness. I've got to be gospel sharing. I've got to be doing the right things to build the relationships that I could share. And it happens all the time. We pray for people in the gym. People look at us like we're crazy because the people walk up to us and say, hey, you know, uh, I'm sick. They don't know if there's a tumor or not. Would you pray for us? there's several preachers that we work out down there so we're all the time praying for people at the gym my doctors uh, over the last Mm. several years a couple of the doctors that i've seen end up got saved while i'm seeing the doctor i've got to be building relationships that allow me to witness and share the gospel at the grocery store and at work and and at the family reunions and when you walk the dog and all of the that's the only way our lives are going to work correctly with this biblical pattern is again just like discipleship witnessing is not a time and a place and a date you don't decide to go witness on the 14th of every month you witness all day every day
1: yeah lifestyle uh opposed to uh making it something that's structured uh but yeah for sure great that's awesome
0: we have to be intentional we have to be aware of those opportunities when they arise and you have a saying that goes something like outside the box but inside the bible And I love that phrase. So, how does that specifically apply to effectively sharing the gospel?
2: Well, I'll make a statement, and uh, hopefully, it's still allowed to be. This podcast is still allowed to go on after this. But (laughs) every time time I'm asked, say it. Every time I'm asked about that, we I don't remember where we got that from. If I read it or thought it, I don't know. It's been around for years. Just like the breaching the least, the last, and the lost. People call me from. Way outside our movements, nobody I would ever even know. And they call me and they ask if they could use that (laughs) (laughs) like you have it trademarked. (laughs) (laughs) I got it from somewhere, I I sure Sure. it's not mine, (laughs) you know. But uh, think outside the box, but inside the Bible. Whenever I talk about that, and people try to get me to define it, this is always the thought that I try to lead them to. As far as witnessing soul winning gospel sharing is concerned, isn't it amazing there are things that the Bible promotes that our churches don't? Mm, mm -hmm. That's how I came to that think outside the box but inside the Bible, is Mm -hmm. we have made religious boxes smaller Then the rules and the laws and the doctrines of Christ. That's how we can have all these different denominations and everything. Everybody has a smaller box in a different area. Mm -hmm. But once we've done that, now we've confined ourselves. You know, it's the gospel is already tight, very tight. Uh, It's exactly tight enough that where we can do everything we're supposed to do for God and for the kingdom. So if we squeeze one of them walls in a little bit, it's going to take out something, and a lot of times it takes out the ability to win souls. That's that's the problem. So I hate to even go down this road, but I'll I'll just tiptoe down it for just a second for for your guys' sake here. Uh, I find things that Jesus did to win a soul that a lot of churches i've been to would rebuke anyone for doing that that's a problem Mm. that's thinking outside the box but inside the bible if you want to truly grow the kingdom correctly the only box can be the bible you can't have anything else and if there's rules or insinuations or doctrines or theologies or theories that we have that confine people to not fully do everything that Jesus did, yeah, we have a huge problem,
1: yeah, and you know to that point uh so much uh, of church culture i'll just use that in quotes is uh something that is it's it's not. It's amoral it's it's neither good nor bad. It's just the culture of the way that we do things, but when we make church culture to become the center idol that we have to do it this way in instead of doing it inside the you know the Bible, then it really, as you mentioned pointing out, it really um church culture can actually really hinder our gospel effectiveness if we're not careful um because that's the way we've always done it, or that's the way that um, our culture tells us that we need to do it. Um, but the Bible doesn't tell us we need to do it that way. And so, yeah, what you're hitting at there is, it may be outside of our our church culture box, or even our personal comfort box, but if it's inside the Bible, it's a totally legitimate means of
2: uh, of sharing the gospel. And, and if, so, if I'm uncomfortable with it personally, but it's still allowed in Scripture— I probably shouldn't do it, I shouldn't cross my comfort lines, but I shouldn't be upset with you for doing it if it mm-hmm. doesn't cross your comfort lines, but it's still inside the Bible. That's the problem, is uh, mm-hmm. we, we create the rule because it makes us comfortable, and then somebody else comes along and breaks the rule, and then now we got to hammer down on them because they broke our rule, but we didn't stop to think, did they even break Scripture? Mm-hmm.
1: According to some recent research that uh, was done by Barna in 2018, it found that 11% of Christians they actively seek to create opportunities to share their faith. So, only 11% of Christians uh, are are seeking to actively create opportunities to share share their faith. So, uh, with that, I I got a two-part question here. One is. So, while the numbers include that, that number includes all forms of Christianity as Pentecostals, uh, what do you think our responsibility is towards changing this problem of a low percentage of Christians are sharing the gospel? And that's across all Christianity, but specifically as Pentecostals, what is our responsibility towards that? And then, Maybe help us dream a little bit about the impact that could be made if we changed this issue. What could happen?
2: Wow, you guys are getting deeper as we go. <clears throat> um, that's real two, two totally different questions. The, the first one, you know, talking about the low number, I, uh, first of all, let me tell you this. It's 11% of, of Christians that are actively seeking to create opportunities to share their faith. And then now you want to pull out the Pentecostal part of that group. Sure. And, and I promise you, if you pull out that Pentecostal <laughs> part, that 11% goes way down. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I, Absolutely. I preach for everybody, brother. I preach right. for the the holiness, the, the Pentecostal, church God, to God, Nazarene, Catholic, Baptist. I preach at Walmart, McDonald's. I'll preach for anybody. You know? <laughs> and, and, and everywhere I go outside of the Pentecostals, they are sharing the gospel way more than than us so oh, that yeah. so as horrible as that 11 percent is it's it's way lower when you start cutting the category down to the pentecostals
1: and and i guess for a second speak to that um uh, well uh, it,
2: it's it, there's a very simple reason and anybody that will stop and think about it for 20 seconds is going to come up with the same answer it's because the pentecostals all have their own version of this little uh, little what you got to look like what you got to wear how you got to do it which, who you got to know and all of that and that creates our groups now pentecostalism is created through the because we believe the baptism the holy ghost the gift of tongues and and all of those things uh, doctrinally speaking but you get in the reality of the streets and what it has done over many, 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 many years is it created, you know, it, it's the old joke. And I hope I don't offend anybody. I don't mean to. I talk about this stuff all day, every day. So I'm, um, I love everybody. Please pray for Todd Sloggett. Uh, but it's, it's the old joke about, you know, you're at the pizza place after work or whatever, and and you know, some sisters come in, and depending on how they're wearing their hair, you know, if they're oneness or Trinitarian or whatever, you know, that's those are the boxes yeah. we created. And so, because our boxes have got all these extra layers, and you got to be there and know somebody and and be there long enough and be told enough things, and 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 a lot of times just you and your Bible is not good enough to figure it out. You know, you got to know somebody, and they, and they got to tell you. So now, you got to go win the blatant lost, the prostitute, the drug addict, the drug dealer, the liar, the 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 thief, the the gang member, now not only do you just have to draw them to a relationship with Jesus, you got to draw them to a relationship with Jesus, and then you got to hurry up and teach them all of these things that they got to get on board with to fit in with your group, because if they take enough time to figure it all out on their own, it's going to be too late. The group's not going to accept them. So the reason why not the only reason, but a, a huge reason why when you take the Pentecostals out of this group, the number goes way down. It's, it's way harder. So a lot less people are going to do it because it's very, very difficult to explain all of the things we do that you have to do to fit in, especially when some of them technically aren't scriptural. They're cultural. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and it's fine that they're cultural. I do a lot of them. I I do a lot of cultural Christian things, but if I go get a convert and I bring them into our ministry, it is no priority whatsoever of mine to start teaching them to hurry up and do the cultural things that I'm doing so that they'll fit in, because in my group, they fit in as soon as they start loving Jesus and serving God.
0: Mm -hmm. I had an individual tell me once that I knew it was time for me to change churches, when I realized I couldn't witness to my coworkers because I couldn't invite them to my church, and um, I, that's when they, a reality struck that something had to change.
2: Yeah, yeah, I've I've heard you know hundreds of stories. I don't I don't fault individuals. Uh, you know, there's a lots and lots and lots of factors involved, and I've made many 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 mistakes myself. But uh, you know, I've been there and I've counseled. Young couples and stuff. When they say, well, "I work with this guy and he's having trouble, and she works with that lady and they're having trouble," but we're afraid to invite them to our church because you know, we don't know which night we're going to have a an evangelist come through or something that's just going to tear a bunch of junk up and preach against pink shirts and 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 hairlines and all of this stuff, and 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 we'll never be able to explain that to them. And that's not why we're bringing them. We're trying to bring them to Christ, sure. and and so that's 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 why that number goes down. Um. So, 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 with that, uh, no, just with that,
1: you know, that that being the case, uh, help help the listener who is, you know, uh, recognizing maybe, you know, I might be part of that, you know, Pentecostal church, uh, but I really, I, I really, the Spirit of God is really birthing with me in within me a burden. Uh, help them to dream and to think about what the impact, uh, both for them and for uh, eternity, of of really making this a lifestyle habit of of effectively sharing the gospel in their everyday life.
2: Sure one one of the priorities and and, and bumping back up real fast to answer the first part of the question, which was uh, you know while that number includes all forms of Christianity as Pentecostals, what responsibility should we feel towards changing this problem? the easiest way to make that shift and make that change is stop trying to find lost people and make them Baptist or make them holiness Mm -hmm. or make them Pentecostal or make them Nazarene. Start finding lost people and trying to bring them to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And the focus on that is, I always tell people to to put in your mind, what did Christ do for me and what should I do for Christ? That's my personal witnessing tactic, if mm. there's such a thing. What did Christ mm-hmm. do for me, and what should I do for Christ? Now, to answer what did Christ do for me, everything. Mm-hmm. In one day, he got me off drugs. He got me off alcohol. He saved my marriage that was total disaster after just a few years, and now here we are about to be 32 years. Uh, he, he got my kids back in my life. He, I mean, he did everything for me. Mm-hmm. And, and most of it, he did in one day. Uh, so it's easy to, for me to answer, what did Christ do for me? And then the second part is, what should I do for Christ? Well, I should do for Christ whatever Christ wants me to do. Yes. And if I have a Bible, it's pretty obvious what he wants me to do. He wants me to bring more people to him. Mm-hmm. So when we're, we're looking at it that way, then you move on about, you know, you're asking about to dream about the impact of what it would look like if we could change this problem. What it would look like is exactly what it's always looked like in the history of the world. It would never change. What did it look like after the book of Acts started? Yeah. When everybody was on board, everybody was about relational building for the purpose of witnessing and, and soul winning. What did it look like? It looked like an explosion of Christianity that made it all around the globe in a very short period of time. Shift until the reformation shift until mm-hmm. shift all the way to modern times right now what does it look like well go to china and you'll see what it looks like mm-hmm. go to iran and if they don't cut your head off you'll see what it looks like china has the largest christian population in the world right now iran barely is a, probably about to overcome them and have an even larger so they have the second largest christian population in the world because over there it doesn't matter if your hair's up if your hair is down, yeah. if your grandpa's yeah. a preacher, if you said the words yeah. right, if you
1: prayed too long or too short. Because they're living in persecution, and persecution
2: levels the playing field, doesn't it? Exactly. <laughs> when persecution comes, it's do or die. Do I yeah. believe Jesus enough to get killed for it? And when, when that playing field is leveled, like you're talking, uh, Dr. Tim, All of a sudden, it becomes like it was when Paul and Silas were in jail. Mm -hmm. And it always does the same thing. So if modern Pentecostals or modern Christians or modern Baptists or modern... It doesn't matter. If any group decided to spend all day, every day doing what they had to do and what they were supposed to do with the idea in mind of what did Christ do for me and what should I do for him... And everything, every relational interaction was about building relationships for witnessing purposes. It would do the exact same thing. It would grow an explosion of new Christians.
1: Yeah, and, and you don't need a pulpit to do that. You don't need a ministry title. You don't need credentials with some organization like... You, you don't need any of those things. You don't need special talent or even really, you know, I know some people will like, well, my story's not as 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 powerful as some others, you know, I wasn't saved from drugs or I wasn't, but you still have a story of God's grace and you still have a testimony of the, the working of God in your life and and to share that and to be intentional in, in, in showing what God has done in your life. You don't need any special theological training to do that. You just
2: need to be willing, right? I mean, that, that's... And that goes back to the original question that we very first started with, and that is teaching. And one mm. of the things about teaching witnessing practice that I've used at, at colleges and, and different places around the country for many years is people have to understand the basics of biblical doctrine and biblical theology. Really? heaven, hell, Christ, Calvary, blood, grace, mercy, salvation. When you do that, you could have been raised under a church pew. You could have been raised by the best pastor that ever lived. You could have never said a swear word, never lied, never nothing, and, and, and didn't get saved until you were 10 or 12 or 19 or 26 or whatever. doesn't matter. Your testimony is still, I was going to hell my flesh was gonna burn forever. I was gonna be in the most pain and the most misery that could ever be possible things I cannot even imagine. I was an evil, wicked sinner with Adamic sin all over my body and inside my soul. I was bound for eternal destruction. Sooner or later, I was gonna be bound for destruction here. I would've ended up in prison. I would've ended up with seven wives and two girlfriends. I would've Mm -hmm. done all of that. And and Jesus saved me from all of that. It's the same. You it, just said the gospel.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's the gospel message, right? Whether whether your story is is crazy, you know, far out there of all the things you've been through, or you got saved when you were a child, the message is the gospel, right? I, I and had, so
2: I had a pastor today. Yeah. Call me. And uh, he, he, he made the statement, and I've heard it a thousand times. He said, you're really good, Brother Sloggett, at reaching drug addicts because you know about that lifestyle. And I cut him off. I always do. I didn't used to when I was younger and nicer, but I, I, I cut him <laughs> off. And, and I said, no, sir. No, sir. Do not tell me that you can't win an alcoholic unless you've been an alcoholic. Sure. You can't help a prostitute unless you were a prostitute. You can't win a gang member unless you were a gang member. You can't stop a liar from lying with the gospel unless you've really, really been a good liar. Don't tell me that. Yes, I have an extra compassion. I slept on the streets. I was hungry. I took cocaine. I I realized the destructive nature of all of that, and it gives me a drive to tell people about that. But there is nowhere in the Bible that teaches that if if you weren't one, you can't get one. As a matter of fact, Jesus could have never had any (laughs) converts because Jesus never (laughs) sinned. So just, right. just our perfect example wipes all of that off. All you have to have is the true love and compassion of Christ and the understanding of what he really did for you and what he really wants to do for everybody you know.
1: Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. Uh, one more question here.
0: Winding down here to the final couple questions, what would your appeal be to the person listening who wants to be more intentional and effective in sharing the gospel? If you could have their ear, what would you say?
2: Really simple. Take
0: it personal and make it
2: personal. I actually teach this all the time, taught it to lots of my guys. Take it personal and make it personal. Sharing Mm. the gospel is not about memorizing a track. Sharing the gospel is not about necessarily meeting with a group of people at a particular time to go down a particular street. Sharing the gospel is about taking it personal and making it personal. The taking it personal part is how dare I get rescued from my sin, Mm. delivered from hell and destruction, get my life back together and my family back together and the protection of the Holy Ghost over my ministry and my job and my income and my children, and then walk away and make it look like I did this and now I can do whatever I want with the rest of my life. How dare I not take salvation personal? Mm -hmm. Because once I take it personal, I can take it to someone else, and when I take it to someone else, I can make it personal about them. When when we witness, I, I, I don't want to throw anybody off doctrinally here, but when we witness, I tell my guys, it's about them. Let them talk. Listen hear what they say. A lot of times we're trying to witness and they get to saying some things and I got, <laughs> I got, I got yeah. two sentences, two points already loaded in my gun and it's already cocked and as soon as you shut up I'm going to fire them because what I have to say is what's important here. No, it's about them and their life and their eternity and, and God wants them and God loves them and God sent you to get them. It's about them. You took it personal enough to go now, you need to make it personal to them so they'll come, and you, you, you look them in the eye, and you take time, and you put your hand on their shoulder, and you listen to them, and you, you respond, and you interact, and you try to meet needs. Gospel sharing is, is as simple as taking it personal and making it personal.
1: That's so good. That's so good. So helpful. Um, last question here. Uh, if someone would like to connect with you to learn more about your ministry uh, or to uh, maybe support you, uh, what would uh, be the best way that they
2: could do that? A whole bunch of ways. I'll give you the the most common. Uh, HMA Ministries, behind me, but you can't see that. Uh, <clears throat> HMAMinistries.com is our website. Uh, Brother Jonathan Rich runs that for us now. There's there is all kinds of ministry opportunities, places around the country where you can volunteer, uh, addresses and phone numbers. You can actually donate and give to our, our, our cause of reaching the least the last the lost right there on the Hmaministries.com website. Um, a lot of people nowadays are responding to us through our podcast, which uh, hopefully I think we'll get all of this audio, and we'll, we'll add this yes, uh, to our podcast awesome. as well. It's the next. Podcast N E X T the next podcast. Um, we have uh, I have a a very large public figure page on Facebook. Reverend D Todd Sloggett public figure page. Brother Jonathan Rich has a, a a page that is very active there. And then we have uh, our Spreaker uh, radio shows that a lot of people uh, get on and respond to. The HMA Ministries is the name of a radio show on Spreaker, and the Todd Sloggett show is the name of a radio show on Spreaker. So there's, there's just a lot of, lot of ways, right?
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, just in conclusion, I just want to say, you know, um, my wife and I, we support uh, them on a monthly basis and we listen to the next podcast and, and we, uh, we love and appreciate all that you're doing and, uh, just encourage our listeners to, uh, to be active in supporting the work of God, uh, both where you're at and, and what you're doing, but also other, other ministries around the world that God is, uh, is blessing. And, uh, you know, on this beginning of this new year, maybe look at your, uh, look at how, how you're giving and, um, uh Maybe consider supporting HMA Ministries as part of your monthly giving to the work of the Lord. Well, brother, thank you so much for uh, joining us today, the Questions of Faith podcast. We really appreciate it and appreciate you, your family, and your ministry so very much. Thank you, Pastor Tim
2: and uh, Brother Brad. We love you guys, and uh, it it was an absolute honor to be here.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Questions of Faith podcast. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing and writing a review on your preferred audio platform. That would really help us out. This show was produced by Brad Stevens, theme music by the band Liquify. Questions of Faith is a ministry of Faith Tabernacle Assembly of God located in Denton, Texas. The goal of this podcast is to equip the modern day Christian with answers to timeless questions. If you would like to submit a question that may be highlighted on the show, you may do so by emailing us. That email address is questions at FTDenton.com. You may also submit a question by messaging our Facebook page, Questions of Faith Podcast. And until next Monday, God bless.